Hi, a quick warning before we get into the meat of the subject tonight. The author of this book has kind of a condescending attitude toward ideas like trauma, um, gender, race, and, and sexual identity. And also, I don't think we're going to get into it in the actual episode, but the book itself deals with um, gun violence in a school setting. So if anyone's upset by any of those things, feel free to, to check out. Hi, welcome to the Brainworms Podcast, the podcast that leads you to a dingy shed behind the junkyard, hands you a tin can of hot tea, and reads you a horrible bedtime story. I'm Joe. I'm David. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to talk about Trigger Warning by William W. Johnstone and J.A. Johnstone. Didn't um, Neil Gaiman write a book called Trigger Warning? He did, completely unrelated. It was a collection of... Yeah. Very different. Very, Very different. different. Incredibly couldn't be any more similar. Less similar. God damn it. <clears throat> um, but yeah, William Johnstone was a writer from southern Missouri who wrote close to 200 books in various genres, including horror and mystery. Uh, he was most known for kind of Louis L'Amour-style Western adventures. He apparently died in 2004 but continued to publish as William and J.A. Johnstone. Um, his death was concealed from audiences for nearly three years um, and was just kind of casually dropped in the copyright section of one of his books. And even now, if you go to his website, it refers to William Johnstone in the first person exclusive or in the present tense exclusively. Um, like you have to do some digging. Wow. Which I, is, which is, yeah. Um, I was going to say something about it being similar to VC Andrews, but no, like at least the VC Andrews people were upfront about the fact that she was no longer alive. No, well, like what exactly is the purpose of this? I, I assume just to continue using his name to sell books would be my only assumption. Who writes them? Um, apparently his niece is, is ghostwriting as him right now. Interesting. Um, which is especially interesting because the book we're about to read came out in, I believe, 2018, um, many years after his death. Um, and since that, since his, you know, since his death, um, his books have taken on what I'll politely call a very political tone. As, as by, we will, okay. By, by dint of the niece, or like, I mean, that's the only assumption because she's writing his books. So, so these are her words in just puppeteering this dead man. Um, so that's the only assumption that I can make. So then the, uh, the previous books, his earlier things, the sort of westerns wouldn't have had this overtly political edge to them. No. And, and again, you know, we're going to get into the, the meat of this pretty soon. Like it's, there's a very explicit bias. Um, this person has something to say and, and his older stuff, like, you know, by virtue of being Westerns, um, 
you know, maybe that like, you know, that says something about the world, but it's not this. Fascinating. It's it's miles away from what we're about to read his early stuff. And before we get started, if you want to keep this show going, uh, we have a tip jar. If you want to throw a couple bucks in the hat at Ko-Fi, we also have a Patreon um, go to patreon.com slash brainworms podcast and you'll get some cool bonuses and benefits as the uh, the show progresses so feel free to do that and thank you all right well i guess uh let's get into it let's do it chapter one a short sharp cry in the night made jake rivers look up from the book he was reading To be honest, he was glad for the distraction. He was on the verge of throwing the book against the wall of his dorm room in disgust. Fuck that. Since it it was a hard copy, a thick trade paperback he had bought in the university bookstore for an outrageous price, and not something he was reading on his phone or tablet, he could have done that without breaking anything. Although the book was heavy enough, it might have dented the sheetrock. The window next to Jake's desk was open to let in the warm autumn air. Olmstead Hall had been built more than 70 years earlier, before air conditioning, and updated and remodeled many times, but the windows still opened, which Jake liked. He dropped the book on the desk, switched off the lamp he'd been using for light, and stood up to move closer to the window. Is that a common way to update old buildings to cause the windows not to open? Um... I'm not sure. I imagine it probably would be in like a big group setting sort of thing where uh, you don't want people, if you've got an air conditioning sort of thing, central air, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm not sure. Fair enough. Maybe, maybe something to do with like safety, not letting people jump out of windows when they get drunk or something or right. depressed. Right. Or... <laughs> but apparently these windows open, so that's nice. Yeah. Good deal. From here on the second floor, he had a good view of Nafziger Plaza, the large park-like area in the center of Kelton College's campus. Three residence halls, Pearsall, Olmstead, and Cullahan, running north to south, bordered the western side of the plaza. The administration building was at the northern end, the main science building. Carroll Hall to the south. The big Burr Memorial Library was directly across from where Jake looked out the window. He could see the lights along the front of it through the trees. He spotted movement in the shadows under those trees. Someone ran toward the dorms along one of the concrete walks, but another figure pursued and caught the first one, grabbing an arm to sling the fleeing person to the ground. Another cry, definitely female. Jake had some more reading to do for class, as much as he despised the book he had just tossed onto the desk, but it could wait. He headed for the door of his room. He wasn't really aware of it, but he was smiling as he went out. It didn't take him long to get down the stairs. A group of students was sitting in the lobby talking about something. He heard the words microaggression and privilege and cisnormative. But Jake didn't even glance at them as he went by, and none of them called out to him. He didn't have any friends here, and whatever the subject under discussion, none of them wanted his opinion on it. He was just a big, dumb brute after all. As he strode quickly out into the night, keen eyes searched the area under the trees where he had seen the two figures a couple of minutes earlier. At first he didn't see anything, but then he spotted movement again. 
there. Damn it, Annie, just be reasonable. I'm not going to let go of you until you start thinking straight. Stop, Craig, just stop. The words gasped out as the woman clearly fought to hold back sobs. I told you it was over. Jake was still moving toward them, but he stopped as he heard what the woman said. A grimace tugged at his mouth. Lover's (laughs) quarrel. None of his business. That was an old-fashioned attitude, and he knew it. But almost everything about him was old-fashioned, including his dislike of a woman being mistreated. How is that old-fashioned? What? (laughs) It's... uh... Just it, being a person. It's not, it's not modern anymore, Joe. Of course, if he did step in to help her, more than likely she would stick up for her boyfriend and turn on him instead, accusing him of perpetuating the patriarchy and the myth of women needing to be rescued. He already got enough of that crap every day. He started to turn away. The then the son of a bitch had to go and slap her. Jake heard the crack of open hand on flesh and stopped in his tracks. He swung around, took several more steps until he could see the two of them fairly well in some stray beams of light filtering through the trees from the library. Couldn't make out too many details because the light wasn't that good. But she was petite and blonde while the guy was good-sized, with dark hair and short beard. Something was odd about the shape of his head, and after a second, Jake got it. The guy's hair was long enough that he'd pulled it up into a bun on the top of his head. Something was odd about the shape of his head. It had his hair on it. What (laughs) What the fuck is that? I'll I'll bet hats really fucked this guy up. (laughs) Jake ran his left hand over his own buzz cut. He'd had fairly long hair once half a dozen years earlier, but he had never worn it in a bun, and if he ever grew it back out, he still wouldn't. Good to know. Okay. The guy started tugging on the woman, who was actually crying now. Jake said, that's enough, Craig. Let her go. Both of them jumped a little in surprise. Jake moved pretty quietly all the time, without thinking about it anymore. More than once, people had accused him of sneaking up on them when all he was doing was going about his business. Hell, man, don't do that. Do I know you? Nope, I just heard you from my window up there. Jake gestured vaguely toward Olmstead Hall. What, you got super hearing or something? We weren't being that loud. Sorry if we bothered you, man. We'll keep it down. Anyway, we're on our way back to our place. Be gone in just a second. It's not our place, the woman said. Annie. That was what Craig had called her. It's my apartment. You need to get your stuff and leave. I'm not going anywhere, Craig snapped. That Julica girl's been filling your head full of crap. Anyway, she just wants you for herself. You know that, don't you? He still had hold of Annie's arm. Jake said, you haven't let go of her. Craig looked around at him and said in an annoyed tone, Are you still here? This is none of your business, man. He paused. Are you one of the football players? Kelton College had a football team, but it hadn't won a game in three years. You're big enough, but Olmstead's not the athletic dorm. I'm going to cut you off real quick. Do you think that Jake is a big man? I think he might be a big man. I think (laughs) Jake might be a big man, yeah. I think he might be a big man. picking up on that. Yeah. 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 Also, Um, did we need to interrupt this very dramatic scene? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. 
to no, no. to inform the audience that the football team wasn't very good? Did that make the book better? I, I was I was also gonna say like this this dialogue does not sound like a natural. Yeah, this isn't how people talk. No. <laughs> I'm not a football player, and you need to let go of the lady. You don't have to call me a lady, Annie said. Just as Jake had expected, she sounded halfway offended. I'm trying to help you. That's no excuse for perpetuating stereotypes and spreading toxic masculinity. You guys can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jake couldn't hold back a sigh. Even scared and in trouble, Annie couldn't stop herself from parroting some of the garbage that had been forced into her head. Not for the first time in the past half dozen years since he'd enlisted, Jake found himself wondering if the people he fought to defend really deserved it. He'd always concluded that they did, but sometimes it wasn't easy to convince himself. I'm... I'm really wondering how old Jake is. Right. Because he's in college. He's in college, yeah. But he's he obviously served. They say, mm-hmm. you know, he enlisted. Right. Um, but how old are like is this guy in his twenties? Like I, I don't know. Yeah, like if he did a tour, like he's gotta be reasonably old, right? Yeah, at least twenty two, right? Yeah. Does enlisted mean that he's actually been or is his name just like in the docket or whatever no i'm pretty sure he served i mean he said something it said something about him serving i think how he defended these people yeah right craig said all right we're going he turned and tried to pull annie along with him no she said let me go you heard her jake said as he stepped closer Craig finally released Annie's arm, but only so he could ball that hand into a fist. He twisted toward Jake and threw a punch. Jake moved his head out of the way and said, Stop it, man, while you still can. I'm not scared of you, Craig shouted. I don't care how big you are. I know Krav Maga. He had just started some sort of fancy martial arts move when Jake hit him with a left hook to the belly. Craig's eyes got so wide, Jake could see the whites of them even in the bad light. As he started to double over, Jake swung a right cross to the jaw that snapped Craig's head over. Craig went down hard, pounding his face against the concrete walk. You killed him, Annie screeched. No, I could have, but I just knocked him out. Didn't even break his jaw. He'll be all right. (sighs) She came at him, hissing and spitting. Jake didn't know many cops, but he had known some MPs, and they felt the same as their civilian counterparts about handling domestic disturbances. Those calls were the worst, and this encounter was a living example of it. All he'd tried to do was help this woman, and now she wanted to claw his eyes out because this he'd hit gross. her boyfriend. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> like, <sighs> it... it's it's not like it's awful because uh, of its like criticism of what it's like getting at but it's like this is not the person to do it no and and clearly these are just straw men that this writer has constructed 
to confirm. I don't want to assume anything. Maybe her biases, maybe just just playing to the audience. Um, I I am honestly these aren't real people. I'm honestly shocked that this was written by a lady because it sounds like this was written by basically like uh, what's his name Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it it sounds like it was it's written by that guy. <laughs> that yeah. guy. You know the one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. <sighs> he should have stayed with that weighty tome about how capitalism was the worst economic system and America was the most evil country in the world. Instead, he had to raise his arm and fend off the punch. I don't know what college this is, but it sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Although the blows were ineffective enough, he probably could have just stood there and taken them without any harm being done. You, you fascist, she screamed. You oppressor. What? Hell, lady, Jake said, knowing the word would get under her skin again. How'd you know I used to be in the army? He decided he yeah yeah that uh, yeah he decided he might as well turn and walk away and let her do her worst. He was about to do that when Craig groaned. The sound made Annie break off her attack and drop to her knees beside him. She lifted him into a half-sitting position and held him against her. He seemed like he was still too groggy to know what was going on. Jake heard a sudden rush of footsteps behind him and turned to see several black-clad figures charging him. He couldn't make out their faces, and when they yelled, Fascist! Fascist! and the words were muffled, he knew why. They were wearing hoods over their heads. Then they were on him, swinging bicycle chains with locks on them, metal pipes, and other objects turned into clubs, and this peaceful night on the small, elite college campus turned into a fight for his life. Is this an 80s movie? <laughs> I was just about to ask, like, is is this, like, supposed to be a a resemblance of reality, or is this, like, a, I... a, a, a uh, like, exaggerated post-apocalyptic? <laughs> oh, it's definitely super exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, the thugs are jumping out of the bushes with chains and pipes. Like, this is... This is Streets of Rage. I don't know if this is exaggerated on the part of the author, though. They might like this. This might be just what they think the world is. Yeah. Or maybe their college experience was punctuated by hooded thugs jumping out of bushes. Fuck knows. I don't know. I'm really I mean, I I didn't. I didn't go to uh, I went to a community college, but Mm -hmm. uh, we did not have this sort of thing happening. Maybe it's just because we didn't have dorms. I don't know. Uh. Jake had battled against superior odds many times, but usually he'd been heavily armed and hadn't been forced to take his enemies on barehanded. The thing to do in a situation like that was to take an opponent's weapon away from him, which was what Jake did when one of the black clad attackers swung a pipe at his head. He ducked, let the pipe go over his head, and then came up with his left forearm under the guy's chin, forcing his head back sharply. Not sharply enough to break the idiot's neck, though. These were kids. Arrogant, small-minded bullies, but still kids. They didn't deserve to die for being stupid enough to believe the pack of lies they had been fed by their teachers, the media, Hollywood, and more than half of Washington, D.C. 
It takes a special sort of mindset, by the way, mm. to honestly believe that teachers, the media, right. Hollywood, uh-huh. and yep. more than half of the government uh-huh. are lying, and only you know the special secrets. Yeah. Like, that's a special sort of, dare I say it, privilege to mm. allow yourself to believe that. Right. Jake reached up, closed his right hand around the pipe, and wrenched it free of the attacker's grip. He twirled it, jabbed the end into the kid's stomach, and sent him staggering backward, gagging and retching. Moving too fast to see in the shadows, Jake let his instincts and a faintly heard sound guide him. He lifted the pipe as another of the figures slashed at him with a chain. The chain wrapped around the pipe, and Jake on, used it to jerk I'm the sorry. kite toward him. Why do they have these improvised garbage weapons? This is, as as this writer well knows, the United States. You can get clubs and baton and baseball bats. Well, with, see, with they're no effort. They're just liberal kids who think they're doing the right thing. So, unlike the proud, wise, you know, real Americans, they're not going to go out and purchase actual weapons. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. That's I I, I don't know. <laughs> why, why do they have garbage? <sighs> what what why are why do they have masks? Why were they just waiting at this specific place for? That's the part. Yeah. The Foot Clan. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> what if this was what if this was a setup? Like Jake and the lady, like they just do this to 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 lure out guys who wanna defend uh, a lady who's being assaulted and, and that that's how they find them. That's how they trap them. That's the that's it. Yeah, I I think you're onto something there, man. Yeah. <laughs> this does seem very convenient. Yeah. <sighs> Jake's left fist shot out in a straight jab that popped the cartilage in the guy's nose. He howled in pain. Jake pivoted, swung pipe and chain, and coiled the chain around another attacker's ankle. Oh my god, he's bull-wielding. Yeah. This is awesome. This is like anime. (laughs) It's like anime. Yeah, it's it's amazing. (laughs) A quick tug yanked the guy's left out from under him and dropped him hard on his back on the concrete. That knocked all the breath out of him and left him gasping for air. A second later, somebody landed on Jake's back and wrapped wiry arms and legs around him. I got him, a female voice yelled. Kill the fascist! Down with oppressors! Kill him! The pipe and chain clattered on the walk as Jake dropped them. He reached up and back, got hold of the attacker clinging to his back like a spider monkey, and tore her loose. She didn't weigh much. He bent forward swung her over his head, and tossed her onto the ground, being careful to make sure she didn't land on the concrete or hit a tree. She screeched, Rape! Rape! as she rolled over on the grass, and he wished for a second that he hadn't been quite so careful. Wow. Oh my god. That's an actual sentence I just read. Um, I, I know that we have an agreement that we don't personally attack the writers on this podcast. This is making it very difficult not to do that. Yeah, yeah, because honestly, I mean, the writing quality, it's it's compelling. It's well written. 
Yeah, the, but there it, was action right at the beginning, which is yeah. nice. You know, it's one of those books that uh, Norman Bhutan would turn his nose up at because <laughs> it's, it's like something happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. <sighs> I I have to disagree with you guys. I don't really find it compelling at all. I'm just kind of like, Meh. right. Well, I mean, it's I I can't attack the writing. It's with this one, well, it's you, much more just the the fact that it's being used as such a blatant platform for politicization. Mm-hmm. Antifa! Antifa! Oh my God. The chanting made him look around. He frowned as he saw that the commotion had attracted several dozen students. His frown deepened as he realized they were cheering on the black-clad attackers. Wait a minute, he shouted, knowing he was wasting his time, but too angry right now to care. I didn't do anything wrong. I was just trying to help a woman. Toxic. Toxic. Racist. Nazi. Nazi. The whole world had gone freaking crazy, he thought. The black suits were on their feet again and regrouping. As they got ready to charge him, Jake flashed back for an instant to things he had seen in the past. Men in black hoods spouting Arabic as they held a Western journalist and sawed his head off with a big... Ah, uh, here we go. More black hooded figures forcing a scared child with a bomb strapped to him down a street while they threatened to kill his mother if he didn't blow up himself and some American soldiers. Those same evil men or others just like them, shooting at him and his buddies. Then... The memories went back even further to old, grainy, historical newsreel footage he had seen. Row upon row of young men in spiffy uniforms and high black boots marching through the streets of a city. It's really easy to make these connections when you've just created fictional characters. Yep, yep. It's also amazing how everybody just wants to jump to my side's doing nothing wrong. It's those other people that I it's disagree the other guy. that yeah. are the Nazis. Mm-hmm. <sighs> row upon row of young men in spiffy uniforms and high black boots marching through the streets of a city, lifting their arms in a salute to the madman in front of whom they passed in review on their way to wipe out anyone who didn't think exactly the same way they did. They had disarmed the citizenry, taken over all the newspapers and radio and colleges and universities, and made it a crime punishable by death to say or even think anything they disagreed with. It seems like a weird choice to compliment the uniforms, just as an aside. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 could use any adjective. You could use any words you wanted, but they they sure had spiffy uniforms. What? (laughs) Well, I mean, Hugo Boss knew his business. Oh, I mean, no doubt. But (laughs) just based on the point that's being made, that's like an odd choice. And the mass graves and the smoke rising from the crematoriums and later an even worse evil rising in the east with more millions dead for no reason other than opposing what the party leaders said and did. The starvation, the booted marchers coming down the street, the knock on the door in the night, followed by wails of grief and anguish. Sounds a little bit like ice. Mm, A little bit. And these people surrounding him now, the bullies in their black hoods and the ones who chanted for them, believed in and supported that hideous evil. 
all while calling him a Nazi and a fascist. They kept using those words, Jake thought wryly, as all that flashed through his mind, but he didn't believe the words meant what these people thought they did. Then they charged him again. Jake reached down and picked up the pipe and chain. He unwrapped the chain, held it in his left hand, and clutched the pipe in his right. He was sick and tired of this. Maybe it was time he actually fought back, no matter what the consequences. Uh, Drop them. Drop those weapons, damn it. Un- unless, un- unless this is in fact a post-apocalyptic, like, s- sort of uh, thing, which I'm not too un- like unconvinced, because this is the first I'm hearing of any of this. <laughs> I'm not too I, I'm not unconvinced just yet that like this is not some sort of weird post-apocalyptic future mm-hmm. um but unless that is like what's happened uh th- th- there there's I don't I'm pretty sure there are no consequences for self-defense like that's that's still perfectly acceptable within law am I am I wrong I know. yeah I mean you're you're definitely allowed to prove protect yourself, defend yourself. Um, he basically flat out says here that uh, he's going to actually fight back no matter the consequences, which to me mm. means, okay, I'm just going to fucking kill these people. Yeah, he's going to escalate to lethal force. Right, right, yeah. The shouted command came from behind him. Sorry. Depending, on what, you, depending on what state you're in. Eh, well, you know, it, it doesn't say what state he's in, but if it's a stand-your-ground state, I guess he's in the clear. Yeah, he can do what he wants. The shouted command came from behind him. He turned, saw the half-dozen uniformed campus cops converging on him. He said, wait, I'm not the one. Phelps, deploy taser. He heard a stun gun fire, felt the fierce jab as the first set of needles pierced his shirt and lanced into his flesh to deliver their jolt of electricity. A taser and a stun gun aren't the same thing. It's true. They're not the same thing. He staggered as the shock coursed through him, but he didn't go down. Carter! Taser! Who is this barking out the orders that doesn't have their own taser? Right? (laughs) Also, uh, last I checked, you don't use a taser unless someone is, like, resisting arrest, which they haven't even, like, didn't. They haven't even said anything, right? They just kind of came up and tased them. They yeah. told him to drop the weapons. Yeah, he's, you know, drop the weapons, damn it. That, and he that, turned around, saw the cops, <laughs> said, wait, and then they started tasing him. That's, okay, I, I am no police officer. I've never had any training or anything. I I I feel like when a when any like authority shows up on a scene like this and there is this in front of their eyes the first thing they do is like everybody calm down everybody stop like it's not a just let's just pick on this one random guy mm. it's like you know like mo- the mob violence stops this guy's defending himself stops yada 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 yeah i mean that's realistically what would probably happen um it i mean that I'm not going to say that the police don't overwhelmingly use force unnecessarily because they, they do clearly. Yeah. I mean, the, the unprovoked tasing doesn't seem that unrealistic to me. Right. To be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Another set of probes hit him and seemed to turn the blood in his veins and arteries into streams of fire. Agony racked him as his muscles clamped hard as stone. He knew that he was falling, but didn't feel it when he crashed to the concrete. Consciousness fled from him. But not before he heard the gleeful, jeering cries from the spectators. Down with Nazis! Down with Nazis! Damn it, Jake. What am I going to do with you? Frank McRaney leaned back in the chair behind his desk, sighed, and shook his head. He was the chief of the campus police, and clearly he didn't appreciate being called to his office late in the evening like this, when he should have been home with his family. Jake sat in the chair in front of McRaney's desk. His muscles still ached a little from being hit with the stun guns, but he didn't show that discomfort in his face or voice as he said, I don't know, sir. I'm sure there are plenty of people who think you should turn me over to the police and have me arrested. The balding, baggy... Why wouldn't they have done that? Rights? (sighs) The balding, baggy-eyed campus cop frowned and said, Was that riot your fault? Well... There was one of me, and how many of them? What conclusion would you draw from that, sir? Don't get mouthy, son, McCraney snapped. Then he couldn't help but chuckle. At least you didn't kill any of them. There's that to be thankful for. He was gone. Yeah. (laughs) He, he, He was full set to do so. I tried not to hurt anybody any more than I had to. I was just trying to stop that guy Craig from hurting the girl at first, and after that, I just defended myself. And quite efficiently, too, from what I hear, McCraney said, nodding. I'm not going to charge you with anything, not yet anyway. Once the activists and the lawyers and the media start putting pressure on President Pelletier, there's no telling what he'll insist on, just to get them all off his back. He took his phone out of his shirt pocket, tapped a few icons on it, and then turned the screen so Jake could read the headline on the news site the older man had called up. Far-right extremist attacks college students. That's not even close to correct, Jake said. I didn't attack anybody. I just defended myself, like I told you. And I'm not far-right, far-left, or far-anything. I just want to go to school and get an education, sir. Yep. Yep, mm-hmm. let's make sure to uh, attack the media here. Yeah, Checking off all do. the boxes. Yep. You've been here two months. I'll bet you're getting more of an education than you ever bargained for. McCraney put away his phone, then leaned forward and clasped his hands together on the desk. Why are you here, Jake? Is it just because of your grandfather? Jake hesitated. Most people here at Kelton didn't know who his grandfather was. But McCraney was a family friend and had known Cordell Gardner as a young man. McCraney had known Jake's father, Philip, too. He just didn't speak of him. Neither did Jake. Jake didn't even use his father's name anymore. He had changed his legally to Rivers, his mother Donna's maiden name. He had worried a little about what Cordell would think about that, but the old man not only hadn't been offended, he had encouraged Jake to make that move. Now that Just there's not the, action happening, this is getting a little bit dry. <laughs> <laughs> Just as he had encouraged him to join the Army and then come here to Kelton College. Problem was, the Army wasn't what it once had been, and Kelton College sure as hell wasn't. I, explain. Well, I mean, the Army now is not 
going and performing illegal police actions? I, I'm not sure. Um, it's yeah, true. Like, pl- please qualify that. The I'm, army I'm, has I'm changed. You, it's, a, it's a post-apocalyptic. The <laughs> army. Oh, yeah. yeah, the the army is just raiding the wasteland for for water and gasoline. Things have changed. Yeah, the but world has still exists. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Jake McCraney prodded, but Jake was lost in the past. Chapter three. So, six so, months earlier. No, hold on, hold on. You can't just say the army had changed and then move on to chapter three. Like, what the fuck did that mean? <laughs> oh, the people this is written for know exactly what they're saying. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, it's um the kinder, gentler, pussified army mm. where they don't kick the shit out of people anymore. And they actually treat recruits with some modicum of respect. Right. I, uh, I, for, yeah. I forgot that my ears weren't keen enough to hear the whistle that's being blown. Right. <laughs> Carry on. Chapter three, six months earlier. Well, what else are you going to do with yourself, boy? Pull! Cordell Gardner tracked the clay pigeon with the shotgun, leading it perfectly as he squeezed the trigger. The pigeon exploded into small fragments as the buckshot hit it. I hadn't really thought about it, Jake said. He and his grandfather were standing at the edge of a large field that Cordell Gardner used for skeet shooting. The roof of the old man's house, which was big, but somehow not ostentatious, was visible not as big as Jake. behind them. Right. <laughs> not as big as Jake. Nothing is as big as Jake. Gardner's he, he's a big man. But light on his feet. Yeah, and quiet. And quiet, and good in a fight. Is is he, is he? I'm I'm sorry. It's really hard for me to pay attention. Is is he shooting right now, or is he pulling the thing for his his grandfather or whatever? Well, he's he's not shooting. Cordell, his grandfather, is shooting. Okay. Um, and Jake is either pulling or just there talking to him. Mm. Based on the the fact that they're having a polite conversation, I assume there's someone at the other end of the field launching the targets. Maybe, yeah. Um, Let's see. He and his grandfather were standing at the edge of a large field that Cordell Gardner used for skeet shooting. The roof of the old man's house, which was big, but somehow not ostentatious, was visible over the trees behind them. Gardner's estate sprawled over a lot of East Texas acres and included tennis courts, stables, and a nine-hole golf course. Even though Gardner didn't play tennis, ride horses, or have any use for golf. Sometimes his guests did, though, and he'd been raised to be hospitable. He broke the shotgun open. Then use that land for something that isn't pointless. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Hospitably open up a homeless shelter. Yeah. He broke the shotgun open, took fresh shells from his pocket, and thumbed them into the gun. You'd better start thinking about it, he told Jake. You didn't re-enlist, so now you have to do something else with your life. Why? Jake asked bluntly. I could just sit around and wait for you to die, so I'll inherit that fortune of yours. Gardner threw back his head and laughed. 
He was a big old man, though not, not as big as Jake. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big old man, though not as big as Jake's 6'4 and 250 pounds. The shock of hair on his head was snow white, which made the deep, permanent tan on his weathered face seem even darker than it really was. He had an air of vitality about him despite his age, and seemed to be nowhere near dying. How do you know I haven't disowned you? You wouldn't do that, Jake said. I'm too too much like you. (laughs) Gardner grunted. Might be a good reason to right there. Pool. One of the old man's groundskeepers, who also served as his assistant when he came out here to shoot, triggered the trap that flung a target into the air. Uh Gardner blew it to pieces, then turned and held out the shotgun to Jake. Want to give it a try? You used to be pretty good at this. Jake took the gun and loaded it with the shells his grandfather handed them. He said, it's been a long time. Like riding a bicycle, it'll come back to you. Gardner turned to look at the groundskeeper. Send wait, two this wait. time, Benny. I, I thought he was in the military. He should know how to handle rifles. Well, this is a shotgun. It's a different skill set. Mm. It is. I, I I don't know how much shooting either of you have done, but no, uh, very little. Okay, yeah, I I've done some shooting. I've done some skeet shooting, uh, some target shooting, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a difference between shotguns and rifles. You, you know, a shotgun you're tracking a moving target. Send two this time, Benny. You want to make it tough on me? Jake asked. Just setting the bar. That wasn't all of it. Jake knew the old man still had a strong competitive streak. He wasn't necessarily trying to show Jake up, but if Jake missed one or both of the targets, and then his grandfather took the gun back and broke both next time, he would get a considerable amount of satisfaction out of that. Jake was contrary enough that he didn't want to give the old man that much satisfaction. He set his stance, held the shotgun ready in the gun-down position, and nodded. Pull, Gardner called. The targets flew spinning into the air. Jake brought the shotgun smoothly to his shoulder, tracked the leader, squeezed off one barrel, shifted his aim just slightly, and fired again. Tiny fragments of both targets pelted to the ground, all that was left of them. Because Jake's too good at everything, Tom. He's so... He has no flaws. Um... This feels like too much detail. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, it's it's. Mm. I guess setting the fact that uh, yeah, it's character development. I mean, We're I get it. That, that Gardner and Jake have a somewhat competitive but friendly relationship. Right. Um, yeah, we're learning that Jake is good at everything because, of course, he is. Mm-hmm. I uh, can't. We're, we're learning that he's just super fucking privileged. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from an incredible amount of wealth and right. that he literally doesn't have to do anything with his life. Mm-hmm. I I can't begin to tell you how much I don't care about Jake's relationships with anybody because he just by himself, because he's not a character is so uninteresting. Yeah. But I mean, but like, did we need like every step and motion of him aiming and firing the gun? Just like, well, I, I, <sighs> I in in a in a universe in a timeline where this is interesting to someone. Right. I'm pretty sure like they're on the edge of their seat like will he get them? Will he get both of them? Mm. 
Gardner frowned and asked, How long's it been since you did any target shooting, boy? At targets like that? Seven years. Maybe eight. Gardner just shook his head in admiration. You've got a knack for it. Always have. Never saw a boy who could handle a gun like you, even when you were a little kid. You could shoot like a grown man when you were 12 years old. Drive like a grown man when you were 14. You were as big as a grown man, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'd ask some of the mamas of your high school buddies what else you could do like a grown man, but I don't think I want to know. Gross. Uh, uh, Gross. That, that, that. Uh, wait, well, no, 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 no. No, we're not just we're not just moving. No, wait, Hank. That that's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you forget they're wealthy and in Texas. What's the point? Also, he's a guy, so it's not gross. It's right. Nice. It's, yeah, I I hate this book. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jake handed back the shotgun and said, driving just got me in trouble. Street racing, you mean? Jake shrugged. The cops frowned on it. I would have wound up in jail more than once if it weren't for you and your lawyers. Gardner pursed his lips and said, yep, and it was a mistake saving you from your own foolishness. I should have let you spend some time behind bars. Might have taught you a lesson. But at least I realized I was about to make the same mistakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can definitely go to jail for street racing. Yeah. That's uh, reckless endangerment, uh, reckless driving, all sorts of things, yeah. Might have taught you a lesson, but at least I realized I was about to make the same mistakes with you that I made with your father and stopped in time to keep from ruining you the same way. Jake didn't want to talk about his father, but the old man had brought it up. Most people don't consider it ruined to be a rich, successful lawyer. His grandfather snorted. Most people never knew what a sorry, no-account scoundrel Philip Gardner really was. It pains me to say it, but he was my son, so I've got the right. Of course, I blame myself. You didn't shove that cocaine up his nose. I might as well have. Jake turned. You know... He's a he's a rich, successful lawyer who does cocaine. Mm-hmm. So he's a rich, successful lawyer. He's a, yeah, he's doing fine. Like this is just a moral judgment. This isn't yeah, like yeah, he, he's not harming anyone. I mean, maybe he's a successful lawyer, so right, kind of right. open ended. We don't know if he what <laughs> kind of lawyer, right? But <sighs> based on what we know, um, what? Right. Yeah, this is entirely just moralizing. You know what may have been a little interesting? Also, you know, uh, a a, a part of learning about Jake's character is what if he internally did blame his grandfather for his dad's death? I don't think think his dad's dead. I think think they just just he's just a lawyer. Yeah. Oh, well, like. Yeah, that's that's what we're saying, too. Like, what? What? It's just this arbitrary moral judgment that we're passing on this character for being a lawyer that does cocaine. And who knows what else, but, you know, I'm sure that they'll drop out more things later. Who knows? Yeah. Jake turned. 
If all we're going to do is blow clay pigeons out of the air and talk about a bunch of old crap I'd just as soon forget, I'm out of here. Fuck this, man. Gardner went after him, put a hand on his arm. Wait, I just want to know what your plans are, Jake. Maybe I don't have any, Jake said, stopping and turning to look at his grandfather. Why is he changed jeans suddenly? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or like, Doug. I'm Doug. Solamente Doug. And I'm out of here. Nice. I'm going to put on my leather jacket and blow this town. I have no idea what either of you guys are talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm old. (sighs) Why don't you go back to school and try to figure out what you want to do with your life? I know you too well, boy. You may joke about sitting around and doing nothing, but that's not in you. Never has been. Maybe the army didn't work out, but there's something else waiting out there for you. I know there is. Didn't work out, Jake repeated. Two tours in the Middle East and a chest full of medals and ribbons isn't working out? How old is this character? Right? You did a good job, sure. A great job, even. But did it satisfy you? Jake scowled. The old man knew good and well that it hadn't. Something was still missing in his life. It always had been, no matter how many skills he mastered, no matter how much excitement and risk he sought out, no matter how much he worshipped at the altar of Ayn Rand. (laughs) (laughs) That part's not in the book. (laughs) But college? That was supposed to fulfill him? The idea was plain crazy. Look. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing to benefit at college. No. Yeah, no, nothing to fulfill you or benefit you to new go to new friends, and, widening and, 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 world view and, and getting out of your personal right. bubble. And, and fuck, like, you know, because he's clearly disgusted by the existence of college. Learn a trade, man. Well, no, that's no good. He's rich. You can't oh, go and be a yeah. Well, and and it's and it already said no matter how many skills he mastered for all we know mm. uh, along with having gone to the Middle East and gotten a chest full of ribbons for something mm. uh, he he's probably a master blacksmith he probably like knows how to breed horses you know like he's an astronaut yeah exactly I mean maybe you should take up juggling have you thought about that Jay like <laughs> juggling what what about circus skills like. Yeah, really. Just you clearly, he's he's a nimble acrobat. Right? Certain, well, no, I was gonna say Cirque du Soleil, but I don't think Jake approves of that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that would be far too liberal. Yeah. No, uh, he and, and he 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 can't. Uh, he would be great at the circus because he's already a clown. Uh... <laughs> that was my joke of the day, people. I'm I'm leaving the podcast now forever. Schmackety do. <laughs> Look, I know you're smart, Gardner went on. You already had more than half a college degree in your pocket when you were a senior in high school. Uh, Yeah, and I never finished uh, senior year, did I? Not because you couldn't have. Hell, you would have been the valedictorian. uh, Salutatorian, Jake corrected him. That math team girl would have edged me out by a few percentage points. But it didn't matter. By graduation, I'd already enlisted to get out of trouble with the law. Your idea, as I recall. So Jake's really just kind of a shithead? 
He is, yeah. He's yeah. an asshole who happens to be good at literally anything and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, just thinks everything is bullshit. Just contemptuous of everyone around him. And you got your GED and your bachelor's degree before you got out. And that your took a lot license. of. <laughs> <laughs> that took a lot of work, as well as playing the system for all it's worth. Yeah, just lay it right out there. Yep. You taught me well, Jake said with a smile. <sighs> I'd like to think so, but now it's time to let somebody else teach you. You know I've got ties to Kelton College. Of course he does. He's built how many buildings and endowed how many fellowships and scholarships for them? Gardner made a dismissive gesture. I never had a chance to go to college, but I always wanted to. I've done all right for myself. A few billion dollars worth of all right. Oh my god. Yeah, never went to college. Somehow became a billionaire. I'm sure he inherited wealth. Um, that, yeah, yeah, he he inherited everyone else's fucking bootstraps. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna admit some bias here, and and you know maybe the listeners might have an opinion one way or the other. Are these characters supposed to be likable? I I'm not sure. Like because honestly, I haven't found anyone in this book that I like yet. No. Um. I don't know. The guy who shot the taser is pretty compelling. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I would have done even better. More importantly, maybe I would have been a better person with a real education. You can do that, boy. Go get your master's degree. Hell, get your doctorate. He grinned. You could be Dr. Jacob Rivers. Joe, Joe, you know that joke you made about the astronaut? I don't think yeah, that's a yeah. joke anymore. I think <laughs> we're getting to that point. Doctor of what? I don't care. Whatever strikes your fancy. That's what college is for. To you're find out what you're good anyway. at and what you enjoy. That's right. That's not yeah. what college is for. I mean, college is somewhat for that. like mm. the, Or it should be. Right, yeah. You know, it's a continuing education. Hopefully by the time you get out of high school, you have some idea of what your uh, skills are and what your interests are, and you can pursue sure. those things. But real, let's let's be real for a second here. In our capitalistic hellscape, mm-hmm. college is for those who can afford to go yep. and can, you know, pull themselves out of the sometimes crippling poverty that they find themselves in, mm-hmm. or it's for people to go to to find you know, doctor or husband, doctor husbands, lawyer husbands, things like that. Sure. Um, <laughs> but but basically what he, and, and obviously he has every advantage, so he's in a position to do this. Right. And his grandfather is telling him, use my connections, go to college and fuck around. <laughs> and, yeah. And you'll probably gain something from that experience. I'm, I mean, like, like, just, Go, just go to go to college and see if you like it. Like if you fail, like you'll yeah you'll just inherit whatever. Yeah, there won't be any consequences. Right. Just 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 go and see what happens. That's what college is for: to find out what you're good at and what you enjoy. And here I thought it was a place where parents paid thousands of dollars for their kids to get drunk, do drugs, and have sex. Maybe some of them, 
Gardner snapped. But it's not that way at Kelton. It's one of the finest academic institutions in the country. That's why a smart fellow like you will fit right in. You'll see, Jake. Just give it a try. That's all I ask. Yeah, nobody gets drunk and plays grab ass at prestigious colleges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, like, you know, the upper crust and and in all of history, you know, like the upper crust of of civilization have never have engaged in any amount of debauchery ever. They're no. they're all serious and and I'm oh kidding. yes, <laughs> they would never do things like cocaine. No, no, no. It was hard for Jake to argue with his grandfather. When his parents had split up, Cordell Gardner had been a rock, not only for Jake, but for his mother. Cordell was very fond of her as well. As bad as things had been, they would have been worse if Gardner hadn't been around. Jake really would have wound up in jail, his life a total waste like his dad's had turned out to be. Kelton his College, dad, eh? dad's a lawyer. Right. Like, I, I, I really, what I want to know is what did his dad do? Right. I still feel like he's dead from a cocaine overdose. That's just, Maybe. That's just my impression. That, that, I mean, that's, that's my impression from the line, you know, you didn't shove that cocaine up his nose. Yeah. I mean, you may be right. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can. that's a valid inference, sure. I mean, I, I wish that the book would tell us something. I mean, it probably will eventually, mm. but... Long past the point of relevance. Yeah. Kelton College, eh? That's right. It's in Greenleaf, outside of Austin. I know where it is. Beautiful little old town. Beautiful campus. Pines all around. You'll love it there, son. Jake had his doubts about that, but he heard himself saying, We'll see. You won't regret it, Cordell Gardner said with a grin on his rugged old face. Chapter 4 But Jake had regretted it, almost immediately. His grandfather had said he would fit right in. Nothing could have been further from the truth. His bachelor's degree was in biology. He had thought briefly that he might become a veterinarian, because he'd always liked dogs and had worked with some of them overseas. But inevitably, that would have meant dealing with a lot of dying animals that he couldn't save. And he knew he just didn't have the heart for that. It would take too great a toll on him. Yeah, kill some brown people, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But dying animals, it's too much. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> some sort of research, anymore. though. The idea of sitting in a lab all day didn't appeal to him, but there were other kinds of research. Going out into jungles and such, discovering new species, things like that. That didn't sound so bad. And objectively... Jake knew his grandfather was right about one thing. He was smart. If one field of study didn't pan out the way he wanted, he'd just do something else. With Cordell Gardner's money behind him, plus the small inheritance he had gotten from his maternal grandfather, who had owned a trucking company in New Orleans, he didn't really have to worry about making a living. Kelton College was a liberal arts school, though. There was a science department, of course, including a program that offered a master's degree in biology. But it was a small part of the school's focus, which was heavily geared toward literature, theater, music, philosophy, sociology, and especially political science. Then go to a college that's more focused on... Yeah, maybe maybe read up on the fucking school before you sign up for it, 
and go to a place that appeals to you more. Or I don't know, again, step out of your preconceived bubble Mm -hmm. and learn some things. You're smart. Like clearly he wants to be some kind of biologist, I guess. Uh, Mm. Wants to is a very strong term. I mean, that's fair. The Kelton College, which I guess he's only going to because his grandfather has pull there, doesn't cater to that field. I don't I still don't understand why um, going to like he has pull there. Uh, they say that like they don't have enough money to send him That's, to yeah. anywhere. Literally anywhere. I mean, his grandfather has effectively, you know, bought anybody's way into this college so Mm. he can probably go without his grandfather having to spend any money and you know when you're really really wealthy the worst thing in the world is having to spend money and i can think of few things in life that you could if you had a lot of money that you could spend it on than going to college and just there's nothing of value there Just looking at the names of some of the courses listed in the catalog had him frowning and figuratively scratching his head. Gender, culture, and U.S. national identity. Feminist critique of Christianity. (sighs) Social justice and American racism. The psychological impact of male microaggression. Countering warmongering and oppression in American culture. Understanding multiphasic gender constructs. Um, obviously, this is a straw man college. It doesn't exist in the real world. Right. But if it did exist, it would not exist in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> also, do you think the person who's writing this has attended any one of these classes ever just to see what they're about? Though they're made up. Yeah, I mean. No, oh, these aren't real classes. No, these courses are completely invented by the author. Probably. I mean, I don't know. Sure. They're, they're, it, I mean, it, like gender studies exist. Like there are, you know, similar college courses, I'm sure. And I might be wrong. You know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the author went through and uh, did a cherry picking list of all of the seemingly most extremed, quote, liberal mm. college courses that were being offered and put them together as just the the entire list of all the classes that are being offered at college that's fair i also would be equally unsurprised if the author had just made them up (laughs) yeah jake had never seen such a load of useless baloney in all his life where were the regular courses he flipped over to the english at at a different college where you should go (laughs) and what is a regular course yeah what is that what does that mean you know, useful stuff. Yeah. He flipped over to the English section. Heteropatriarchy in American Literature. LGBTQIAPK Tales, a seminar. He had to look that one up. The abbreviation, which, evidently, today's college students instinctively understood, instinctively. meant lesbian, gay, Bi, trans, queer, intersex, asexual, pansexual, and kink. Whatever floated anybody's boat was okay with Jake, as long as it didn't involve force, coercion, or kids. But a whole college course devoted to stories about such things? One glance into the political science section landed him on a course called 
the toxic American political axis, Republicans, Nazis, and fascists. Jake closed the catalog. He was grateful that he wouldn't have to mess with any of that sort of course, since he was going for his master's degree in biology. Why wouldn't you just go to another college? He found out different when he met with his faculty advisor. Kelton College requires a diverse course load, even for specialized advanced degrees, the professor said. A brass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just it's for one, it's a liberal arts school. Mm-hmm. The entire point of a liberal arts school is that you get a well-rounded education right. beyond just the specific focus. What you're looking for, Jake, is a fucking trade school. Yeah. Go to a trade school, brother. You'll be happier. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Kelton College requires a diverse course load, even for specialized advanced degrees, the professor said. A brass nameplate on his desk read Dr. Mutumbo. The guy was as pale as anybody Jake had ever seen. Tall, balding, gawky, with a receding chin, he looked like a big white bird. Jake couldn't help himself. He said, Dr. Mutumbo? The man sniffed. I identify as African American. My ancestors were colonialists named Montambal, who lived for a time in French Equatorial Africa before immigrating to this country. I simply adopted a more appropriate spelling to honor the unfortunate people they oppressed and exploited. Oh, Jake said. He supposed that made perfect sense to the guy on the other side of the desk. And you Mm. teach microbiology. I'll probably be in some of your classes then. I look forward to it, the professor said, not sounding the least bit sincere. He pushed a printed list across the desk to Jake. At any rate, here is the suggested course of study for the degree you're pursuing. Jake picked up the list and scanned it, then said, A lot of these courses don't appear to have anything to do with biology. I mean, economics, political theory, socialization. That's liberal. Yeah. (laughs) You you said, the narrator said themselves, like, this school is make sure you get a... Uh. A Kelton College graduate is a well-rounded graduate. It sounded like a slogan, and probably was, although Jake wasn't going to waste time looking for it in the college's brochure or catalog. So I have to take these to get a master's in biology. They're prerequisites for any advanced degree. Okay. (laughs) Dr. Montembeau. Jake just couldn't think of him as Mutumbo although he realized that was insensitive of him. Oh, my God. Clasped his skinny fingers together and said, You've already been admitted to this institution, Mr. Rivers, which, by the way, is not his real name. Mm. Mm. But if I may speak frankly, I can't really see why. No offense, but you simply don't strike me as Kelton College material, despite your academic record, which is, for the most part, exemplary. Except for that part about dropping out of high school as soon yeah. as I like turned 18 and joining the army, eh? This book, man. Montembeau looked like he had just bitten into a sour crab apple as he said, We don't have a large number of veterans among our student body. Oh no, don't do it. Don't do it. He's we found it. that a military background, the look got even more sour doesn't prepare a person for our rigorous curriculum and stringent standards of personal behavior. We have a very strict code of conduct and accountability here at Kelton. 
Yeah, because there there are no rules in the military that you have to follow who? to to a T. I mean, I know who thinks this way. Strawman created by the author to to reinforce bias. <laughs> More strict than the army and marines. The professor opened a drawer in his desk and took out a sheaf of stapled-together pages, at least seven or eight sheets thick. He placed them on the desk and pushed them over to Jake. This is our speech code. Oh, As part no, of our no. commitment to diversity, no, we're, we're gonna, it's gonna Kelton happen. College guarantees all students a safe and inclusive learning environment, so you shouldn't use any of the words or phrases lifted in here. Jake frowned. I seem to remember reading something about a right to free speech. Montembeau tapped a fingertip against the pages. Bringing up the First Amendment is listed in here. You shouldn't do that. It shuts down productive discussion. You shouldn't say anything about the Second Amendment either, especially the Second Amendment. Before Jake could respond, he took a booklet from the drawer and added it to the speech code. Our sexual guidelines... An abridged version of the Kama Sutra? Montembolt glared. Sexist comments like that are also violations of the speech code. Wait, what? Yeah, how is that sexist? It's it's sexualized. words, Words mean nothing. No, this sets out the proper steps that are required to be taken before any sort of sexual contact to ensure that all such contacts are consensual. No means no, eh? Exactly. So yes means yes. No. Yes also means no, because of our heteropatriarchal phallocentric culture. What the fuck? What? So no means no, and yes means no. Jake spread his hands. They're college students. How do they get it on if everything means no? The professor looked exasperated and impatient. Just study the guidelines, Mr. Rivers. I'm sure it will all become clear to you. Until it does, I would advise you to be very circumspect in your interactions with other students. The the ideological acrobatics that this writer is doing between clearly the ideas that they're trying to parody and what they're saying are amazing to me. It's, yeah, um, cognitive dissonance is real. Mm -hmm. I would advise you to be very circumspect in your interactions with other students, female students, all students. Not everyone accepts the antiquated concept of binary gender, you know. Remember L-G-G-B-D-T-T-T-I-Q-Q-A-A-P-P. That means Jake held up a hand to stop him. That's all right. I don't need it defined. But I thought it was LGBTQIAPK. Montembolt blew out a scoffing breath. That's outdated. The college experience is a very fast-paced one these days, Mr. Rivers. You'll have to learn to keep up. Education is, is all about change. To anyone, like this conversation, like it. I mean, like maybe it's, if it's maybe if it's reaffirming your biases, you're like. Oh, college is like I thought it was like. Oh, yeah. fuck. Oh, this is an opportunity for the readers to, you know, make fun of this mm-hmm. completely absurd character. And even the people reading this who agree with it would understand that what this is is, in fact, a straw man. Sure. 
But, you know, it makes you, you feel think good so, to knock one down. <laughs> I mean, again, <laughs> my bias might be showing, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if there are readers of this book that are like, yep, that's what that's what that's what it's like. Yeah, you're probably right. Sad. <sighs> I, I I just like even if like I just like what what is what is the story here? <laughs> Yeah, the story. Yeah, like the, there was some plot in the first chapter, and I was like, "Oh, things like things are gonna spin out from the this confrontation." Well, see, this part, all of this is just letting us know who Jake is. Also, oh, uh, th- hmm? this is all this is all taking place in Jake's mind. In the Jake is was lost in the past while he's in that one guy's office. Yeah. So yeah. like he's just staring there lost in space for minutes on end as all of this transpires. <laughs> all the guys like, Jake? Jake? Hello? Jake? Oh, you know what I just realized also? This writer is doing a reverse Norman Bouton where they front-loaded a lot of action right at the beginning. <laughs> and, and now we're, we're getting into the, the kind of tedious setting up of the narrative. <sighs> And I'm not sure which is better. I yeah, it's a it's a good question. I mean, I guess just write a good book. Norman Bhutan was at least interesting. Just the the new and like Cthuloid different ways of thinking, like this like different dimensions of crazy that he got to. Like it was it was a different step down the ladder of insanity every around every twist and turn. This is just like one consistent tone of like, uh, like, okay, okay, we get it. (sighs) Jake realized he might as well be talking to one of the brick walls of the buildings on campus. He said, I appreciate the help, doctor. Are there any more uh, guidelines I need to have? Not at the moment. When you work out which courses you're going to be taking, come back to see me and we'll go over them to make sure they fit your course of study. Jake stood up. Sure. Now maybe you can tell me where to find the housing department. You aren't going to live off campus. There are some decent apartments to rent in town. No, I realize I'm a little older than most students, but I want to get the full college experience. You do allow graduate students to live in the dorms. One floor of Olmstead Hall is reserved for graduate students. I'm not sure if there are any openings. I'll check into it, Jake said. He planned on keeping his relationship to Cordell Gardner quiet, but he wasn't above using it to his advantage if necessary. To get people kicked the fuck out of their dorms so that Jake could have one. (laughs) And the old man had it in his head that college was the same sort of place it had been 50 years earlier when he had wanted to attend but couldn't. So that meant Jake ought to live in a dorm, as he saw it. Given the amount of money his grandfather had forked over to Kelton College, Jake figured they would find a place for him. The housing office is in the administration building, at the far end of Nafziger Plaza, the professor said, on the second floor. Thanks. Jake turned to go. Mr. Rivers, are you sure you want to attend Kelton College? Good I ask question. for your own benefit. <laughs> I'm just not certain you're ever going to be happy here. Are you kidding, Jake? Wise Grin? observation. I plan on loving it. Oh my what? God. 
like, <laughs> man, I sure do hate math. I'm going to go to a math college. I plan on loving it. I hate mm-hmm. math, though. Okay, so that was the first four chapters. Um, I feel like we may have to revisit this book next episode. Because holy shit. Um, I what literally we... have a headache. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, that that's, that's going to be some insight on its own. What do we think about Trigger Warning by William W. Johnstone and J.A. Johnstone? Well, we haven't... I, I don't know if you have... I don't... I assume that you haven't Chris, but skimmed, I certainly I've have not. The whole book, okay, my, my preparation. This is my first experience. I I read the first four chapters, mm-hmm. and by the time I got to the end of the first four chapters, I knew where this was going. He's going right. to end up being a school shooter. Like that's that's just how this ha- is going to end. He's going to be a shooter that was driven to it by the constant harassment that he got at the hands of these terrible liberals who just couldn't understand that they were the real Um, Nazis all along. I'm going to cut you off because unfortunately I know what happens, so I can't be unbiased, but I'm going to try to pretend like that's not the case. (laughs) The writer will not let Jake become a villain. Fair enough. Fair Um, enough. That there's no way this ends where where Jake Rivers is not the hero that saves the day, and and proves the the students wrong that, that he's really a, a superhero action badass. I I knew where this book was going by the by the time that it was making weird comments about him wanting to go help that lady being uh, harassed in that. I couldn't care less about where this book goes. <laughs> um, I mean, also, it's... I have to say, as a critique of liberal ideals and propaganda and, and whatever, it's totally lacking any amount of insight, any amount of because it's made value. up. That <laughs> there's just like there is just nothing of value here it's there's there's no critique it's 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 just uh. this book is is if i'm not racist but gained human form and was given a typewriter (laughs) it's it's oh my it so when i was a a kid Mm -hmm. um young adult even i used to read a lot of uh, robert heinlein mm-hmm. and i love heinlein i still do i still think that he's fantastic and one thing that uh, heinlein would do is he would present interesting possibilities of the future mm-hmm. but nestled inside of all of those interesting possibilities for the future were some really really regressive ideas about women and just sort of a a very like libertarian um, social mindset of the rise of the Ubermensch. And that's exactly what this is. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, Randian uh, fucking Nietzschean philosophy Mm -hmm. 
Except it, that the ideas aren't buried in the subtext. They're just right <laughs> the fuck on top. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it's an, it's an Uber Minch wank fest. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. <sighs> Does anybody else have any parting thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I, I will say again, mm. you know, I find the writing, I find the actual writing itself to be fairly good. Yeah. For like, um, grocery store paperback it's yeah fine. i mean it's right up there it's 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 clive cussler yeah you know it's louis lamore like you said before you know it's mm-hmm. it's that sort of readable fun quote fun uh adventure novel sort of feel and i might look for some of john stone's earlier books mm-hmm. uh i do in fact intend to read this whole book because i have to know mm-hmm. oh Oh, okay. We'll read this whole book. I mean, we're not reading it on the. We're not reading it on not, the air. Not Empress Teresa. No, we're we not. Can't. Oh, oh no, I I literally could not read any more of Empress Teresa. Like I I had no interest Coward. in continuing that. Coward. I still say you need to read the whole thing and report back to me. Yeah, take notes <laughs> if you survive. As. as I said this. I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast before, but the reason why I refuse to read it al- alone is like, take any uh, 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 mystery science theater movie, take the hosts out of it, and just watch the movie. Is it nearly as fun? Right. No. You know, I, I still get uh, some shit from friends of mine to this day for sitting through the non MST3K version of Manos Hands of Fate. We and, actually did that. Uh, uh, Chris and I did that not long ago. <laughs> I I actually enjoy the movie on its own merits. I mean, it's terrible. It's bad. okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. Based <laughs> on the first turning into, into the, the into a chapters, movie podcast. Um, is trigger warning better than Manos: The Hands of Fate? <laughs> and and uh, both uh, have some complicated ideas about gender so like there's some dovetailing right yeah um it is not um in my opinion it is not better than the hands of because in manos you don't know where it's going in this you know exactly what mm -hmm. every single sentence is dedicated to like everything is serving this one ideal and and this author is is at I, i i assume since four chapters, I haven't just gotten away, explored anything else. Like everything is revolving around this, this, this idol mm-hmm. that they have. He's a big man, a very big man. Um, I would have to say that. Uh, uh yeah, I I'm gonna go with. Uh, Manos being slightly better, if only because it has Torgo. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the 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 couple that just is driving around finding places to make out. <laughs> um, like the, there are moments of of charm in Manos, the Hands of Fate, that the trigger warning does not possess. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know. It, this book has as its protagonist a large man who doesn't know what buns are. <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, um, 
What do you think? Trigger warning, Manos, the Hands of Fate. What's going to be more entertaining for you? Um, if you want to let us know, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube.com. Send us a message. Um, if you want to help support the show, find us on Patreon.com forward slash Brainworms Podcast. All right. Well, thanks again for tuning in, guys, and take care of yourselves. Thanks, everybody. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Any copyrighted content contained within this podcast is used for purposes of review. Brainworms Podcast is David Combs, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. Editing and post-production by David Combs. Art provided by Kane Magdalene. The theme music is HodgePod Number 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, please support us on Patreon or Ko-Fi, or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app. 